Your idea for a game is no longer just an idea. Your hard work is paid off. You're now a dungeon master. You're ready to go. With a ream of adventure notes in hand, you prep yourself for your first session. You're ready to go. Now it's time to show off your stuff. It's too late to back out now. You've got a game, and you need to run it. So, welcome to the club, fellow dungeon master. Let us pull the big chair out for you. Take a seat. Feels good, doesn't it? It's your campaign, part three, running the game, this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Support the Dungeon Master's Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page and click the support button. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. How's it going? Much Good. better now that I've seen your smiling face. Yeah, we're we're talking about uh, running the game, running the game part three, part three, given a lot of the series, huh? This it is. is like one of those mini series, like uh, the North and the South or Band of Brothers, only without the explosions and all the cool stuff. I can I, I can give you explosions. I could too if you want. <laughs> it comes with being a man of a certain age. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't even know the explosions happening. <laughs> okay. So running the game, we know uh, it could be really intimidating. How do we fix that? Yeah, practice. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It, it can be, um, it can be intimidating, and it can even be intimidating to a uh, veteran DM. I feel extremely confident every year with the story that we've prepared until like uh, day one of our getaway, <laughs> and then I'm like, man, I hope this doesn't suck. Because I put a lot of work into this 120 some odd encounters in this this storyline, so if I I f it up, oh, it's gonna really blow. So it can be. It could be like a, a really intimidating thing, especially to a brand spanking new GM. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we went over with part one and part two how to prep up. Uh, this is kind of like the wrap up. I mean, you're actually in the chair at this point. Yeah, there's no turning back. So. What do we need to do um, to get them started or to continue? Um, you, you've had your session zero. You may have even had your, your first game. Just kind of dip your toes in the water a little bit. So where do you start off? Yeah, and I think the, uh, you know, the, biggest, the biggest thing is, is, is uh, too, you don't want to do that runaway bride thing. You, know? you don't want to hit the altar yeah. and then be like, oh, shit. 
Yeah. And then turn around and run. Um, because that's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so where do you start? You ask, um, well, if you've already, like you mentioned, if you've already had like your first session, you know, you did your session zero, you did a little playing, and then you had your first full-blown session, I think you should always start with a recap. Agreed. Right? So if you don't start getting in the habit of doing it, it, it really it helps a lot. I don't know how many times I've, I've sat at a table um, as a player and been like, what are we supposed to be doing again? Um, and as a GM, I've heard that a bunch of times. So when you do your recap, it's always good to kind of add those story elements in where you kind of refresh their memory on what you're supposed to do, how you came to be where you are in the game right now. Yeah, your session zero is more make your characters, here are the rules for the table, rules for gaming, rules for the other, the house, things like that. Um, like you may have gotten a little play in, maybe another a full game session. With this recap, now it's it's all about the plot. It's all about the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go over uh, who's hurt and who's not. Who started off hurt? Yep. Who's dead? Who's dead? Um, who needs rest? Uh, then if you've already had your, like I said, you go and you, you hit the high points. Um, key plot points that you've already put out there. NPCs that they have to seek out. Remind them. All right, you need to see Mr. Phillips. Oh, that's what his name was because some people keep notes and most don't. Um, and, and then go from there. Uh, places. Where are you supposed to be going? Yeah, the name of the city, yep. town, or the the road you're supposed to be on, and the mountain range you're supposed to cross. Reiterate these these high points for for everybody, and that way it, it will refresh them of their session zero, and hopefully the first session. If and if this is your first session, then lay it out there. These are the point. These are the places you need to go. I may have mentioned it in session zero. You may not have. Now is the time. So I think um what you're saying is um keep bullet points and keep it quick so you're not. Spending an hour, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go. Recap. You don't want to go into a Five narration, max. Yeah, really, you're right. You don't want to go into a narration. You just want to hit the high points. Yeah, and and the cool stuff too. Don't yeah. forget to leave out the cool stuff. You know, like um, one of the things that I definitely would have thrown into uh, into a recap um, if I needed to was that that game session where you rode the shield down the steps of a ziggurat. Okay. Yep. Oh, oh in, into the <laughs> army of, of, of zombies. zombies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that's cool stuff for the um, for the uh, underwear-clad brawl in the middle of the tavern at night. That Lou does a lot of cool stuff. I will give him that. <laughs> well, wild cards, it's, wild it's cards caution that, to the wind. When a wild card has embraced his position <laughs> at the table, you know you're going to get something. Out yeah, of most people will be like, "I right, hurry up and put my armor on." Not Lou. He's he's out in his tidy whiteies and, and throwing <laughs> hands with. Uh, the people that broke into the inn to assassinate them. So, but the cool stuff never ever leave out the cool stuff because yep. that starts to charge up the players a little it bit. It does, yeah. Um, and I, you know, it, it's weird, but one of the one of the kind of neat things that a recap does is it it um, it it kind of shows the story through a different lens, kind of. You know, everybody at the table sees things. Um, sees these situations and these, you know, the combats and the encounters and any of the role play stuff through a very different lens. I was just about yes. to say, when, when I get the recap from somebody, it's to me, it's like repainting the picture and, and I see things that I may have missed before. Yeah. And, and you know what? Even if you play with terrain and miniatures and stuff, um, still that lens from player to player is very, very different. 
new image. Well, this gives you a chance to get everyone onto the page that you're trying to paint. Yeah. yeah. So that way it's like, okay, they, they everyone's going to be skewed a little bit, whether they want to or not. They're going to be, no one has the same exact vision you've put out there. This is your chance to, like Lou said, repaint the picture. So everyone's like, oh, okay, I get it now. And it kind of zeroes things in for you. Um, cliffhanger endings. We've we've died. Try to end. Love them. Uh, yeah, love them. They're they are great. And um, I used to watch. Um, I don't know if you remember. Remember matinee at the Bijou? It was like on Sunday mornings yep. after Little Rascals. Oh yep. yeah, yeah. Um, but they always had like uh, what was it like Forbidden City, the old Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers right. uh, serials on there. And cliffhanger endings were were like rampant. You know, in those you old know, you know where, where my resource was? Listening to the radio and listening to The Shadow. Shadow. That numbers. was a good one, yeah. too. We would go camping, and I had a shortwave radio, and a Canadian station reran the entire series in chronological order. They did the same thing in the, the 20s and 30s radio shows, Little Orphan, any of the whole thing, but we would listen to The Shadow. And we were glued to it, and the adults are sitting there. Now, this is when I was a kid in Scouts. Um... Like 1905 when Baden Powell first started them, um, the <laughs> the um, the adults were sitting there because they remember it, you know, listening to it sometimes, or you know, even if it was a rehash, or listening to their parents talk about it. But their parents were listening to it, and they're like, "Oh, this is cool!" So it became a thing, and and, and every episode, the Lone Ranger, every yeah, yeah, episode yep. was on a cliffhanger, and that you know. those are. Those are, uh, if you can get a, a hold of those, and, and YouTube has them, a oh, lot yeah. of them. Yep. Watch them. I mean, you know, watch them with an open mind because the um, the acting, the special effects. Well, what I'm talking about was right. was were radio shows and the radio yeah, shows. There were you there was no watching them. Yeah, there's you, there's websites where yep. you can listen to those, and yep. they're fantastic. They're great tools for a DM. Yes. Um, and it sounds corny. It's not not just a bunch of old farts sitting around uh, with a bunch of microphones saying, "Listen to these old shows," because we liked them. But they're they're actually they're really they're well good storytelling. And, and tools. we use sound effects now, uh, background music and sound yep. effects. That was their bread and butter. Yeah, that's what said it. And this will give you an idea of how well you or you know, how deep you can get into sound effects. And now it's just a matter of setting up a soundboard, number them. Put the number on your sheet, sound one here, sound two here, sound three here. You can set up ahead of time, and you're ready to go. And you can have a really, really fulfilling gaming session, and all from listening to Buck Rogers and the Lone Ranger and the Shadow all on the radio. So cliffhangers, yeah. got to go with them. And, and it'll show you how to set up a cliffhanger. I like to leave almost every session... On a on a cliffhanger, yes, um, a because, dramatic point. Yeah, um, right before the combat's about about to start. Yep, or um, end, or or end. Yeah, there's just yeah. that one. They all right. Do you actually dispatch the big guy? You know, or or this particular? Do you defeat the monster? Uh, there's been a number of times where we've cut play game sessions. Half an hour, twenty minutes early because it was a really good point to stop. Yep. All right, we're going to stop right here. What we got another no, half no, an hour? Yeah, so nope, most nope. don't like that. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, no, we're going to stop right here. We'll and, pick up next week, and that's why we do it. You know, it builds anticipation. Yes. It's like, oh my god, you know, because now, 
And especially when we go away for our week-long thing, leaving, leaving that long session, that long eight-hour day on a cliffhanger, it's got people talking about it all night. Oh, my God, this is where we ended up. This is what we're doing. I wonder how it's going to how it's going to go and people are like thinking about, okay, what sort of tactics can I bring right. to this? How am I going to bail myself out of this? Um, now this that anticipation is great. It's it, good energy. It is. So with that said, um, with uh, tactics and anticipation, running your combats, lighthearted, uh, you know, I, I know we've done some that were lighthearted and some that were very dramatic. Yeah. There's a couple different ways. And actually you want to mix it up a little bit. Um, sometimes combat might be just, um, a silly slap fight in the street. We've had those too. Yep. Um, and other times between it, between characters, characters, I've witnessed that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Corrick and Lou had themselves uh, uh, and, and, probably and, the least epic fist fight <laughs> um, ever. Their characters did, not the two of them. Um, but it was wildly entertaining. It was great it stuff. Was. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you got you got to mix it up. I mean, it's not every battle is draw a weapon and, and cleave them a twain. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of a verbal combat. It could be a puzzle solving. Yeah. There's just a lot of different ways to go about it. Two bards uh, <laughs> dueling it out. Dueling, dueling it out. Dueling it out, like a rock and roll duel or... Um, dueling loots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the... Um, and again, back to the old movies, if... If I have um, a player whose uh, character is a dexterity-based swordsman and I have an antagonist who is the same, then I'm, I'm going Errol Flynn on that fight scene, you know, where, um, you know, they're, they're tightrope walking or something ridiculous <laughs> whilst fencing or leaping from, from one thing to another um, whilst fencing or... You know, cutting uh, the rope to a chandelier so they can make it up to the uh, second level of, of the mansion, you know, quickly, that sort of thing. Where the Quillians get locked up, they go face to face. He looks at me and goes, I have something to tell you. I am not left handed. <laughs> <laughs> or if someone looks looks like, yeah, if, if there's an NPC that's, um, that's going to go or another character, then I will often have it a very serious combat especially if there's a there's a like a big potential for mortality yes i will uh i will, I will certainly go dramatic in in that um, well, let's talk time management on this particular topic initiative counter or a keeper yeah. besides the game master because that'll help things move along a lot quicker you want to keep things flowing in your combat you don't want to stall out or right, who's next and a game master has an awful lot to keep track of. Yeah, a lot of assign the to job it. to somebody. A piece of paper, graphic, write down the names, who's going to go off. Let them call it off for you. In that little interim, you as the storyteller, you as the game master, can can get your thoughts together. Even if it's just a matter of four or five seconds while they're looking to see who is getting it, you're not doing that. Let someone else do it. That way you can you know gather your thoughts together. So that's a, a, another little way to... To keep your combat running. And um, combat can surprisingly slow a game down to a screeching halt yeah. because combat in D&D takes forever sometimes. Yeah, yeah, six seconds usually takes about 15 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it seems. And, yeah, so I'll, I'll shave time off of combat wherever I can to keep it moving. Yes. I'll do hits instead of hit points on enemies. Um, I'll pre-roll. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll do any any number of things. 
Um, but when you're doing combat, and because combat takes so long, it's easy to, um, you know, you roll your dice. It's uh, a 20. That's that's a hit. You take six points of damage. And now, you know, um, be descriptive. It's hard to be descriptive after a really long day of running a game, but it's not so bad if it's a three- or four-hour session. Right. Uh, it could be very easy. And that was actually my next point I had. Uh, describe, and you got to base it on your audience, too. You could uh, you could tell the two of us <laughs> run run <laughs> games for the same people and, yeah. and spend a lot of time with each other. There's a lot of overlap. Yep. Uh, but base your description on your audience. I mean, our group, we can be... We can go full blown um, R with no problem whatsoever. But if you have younger people, uh, especially your younger players and your younger game masters, yeah, there's there, there's got to be limitations, and these are, should be set in your your session zero. But use a little common sense, please. Even though it isn't as common as you'd think, um, you're not going to describe the evisceration of your combatant to a twelve year old player. Right. He sees enough of this on the video games to start with, but it's a whole different thing when he's in it. It's on the screen. You turn off the game, it's done. It's forgotten. But you're sitting there describing it, and he's the one that did it, and he's describing how I'm going to hit this guy, and I want I'm going center mass, and and you describe you know uh, viscera pouring out of his his stomach as he drops to his knees and he he catches his intestines as he looks up in your eyes and goes why. Tries to shovel it back you know, in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you need to base your description. Now you can you can obviously get really involved in your descriptions, but you you can you need to be correct to the audience that you is you're participating. Yeah, in. I always like to go in, in keeping with the old like movie or TV show theme. You know, the uh, clutch the place where they were wounded and yeah. fall over. And he falls over and oh, yeah. you know, and and one foot, foot twitches a couple times and yeah, you, know, you can be descriptive, but you don't have to be gory. You got no one to fade to black. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. that's that's key in so many different parts parts of this but game. But just keep it, it when it comes to running your combat, especially because yep. that's when yep. you're going to run into gore. Yeah. Um, most oftenly, um, sometimes caused by you. Yep. That's where uh, that session zero is yep. like really important. Yep. Um, so as well. Be, be descriptive based on your audience. And and then have cheat sheets ready for your PCs and your monsters to once again expedite play. Yeah. Um, and I know you're not a, uh, and I'm going to use a term that we recently uh, learned from our friends over at Bite Size Gaming, but I know you're not a screener. Um, <laughs> those of us that use uh, the DM screen, but that's a good place to have all those notes handy. I, uh, I like, I like to ask that when, when a player's fit, a player character is finishing off an enemy, I like to ask them how they're going to do that. Yeah. Um, to give them that that kind of mo- moment in the spotlight, we, we enjoy that too. Yeah, some people they really like get into it where they're um, they're like, Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna, uh, and and there a lot of times there's no fading to black. <laughs> yeah, there's that uh, trying to pack the intestines back into the uh, yeah, into the, the body. spotlights on them and yeah. with the black. And they, <laughs> yeah. They, and the uh, the thespian. Oh, uh, yes, the yeah. thespian loves these moments. Yes, they will. Uh, it it took fifteen minutes for the combat. It will take a half an hour, half an hour for, for them to describe just yeah. how they dispatched the last two seconds. You know the the other thing too is like, uh, and there's no morale rule in fifth edition. 
No, no there's, there's not. not. And there used to be this thing called the morale rule in previous editions of D&D. And every, every monster enemy had a morale rating, and you would roll against that. And... Um, and that was just so that not everything fought to the death, because not everybody's right. going to fight to the death. No, no. A lot of things are like, ow, 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 I don't yeah. want to say yeah, ow I'm, anymore, I'm running away. I'm losing, and my two buddies just got cut down, I'm hitting the road. You yep. know, So having your enemies fight to the death all the time, when you know they may have an opportunity to make a break for it. Now, with our, our group, when, <laughs> when they run, they get shot in the back. Yes, that's not true. And if they don't fall down... They they will chase them down yeah, and, yeah. and shoot them to make sure and, they hit them in the back. And when they when they surrender and beg for mercy, mercy. that's the worst thing they can do. <laughs> because remember the orc camp, they got mercy <laughs> because they're going to get anything but that. Yes, <laughs> but not all your enemies are going to fight to the death, and not, not all your has. players are going to chase down your every single monster until yes. they are dead. Unless you have ours, unless you have ours, yes. Which is not every one of our players, no. but it 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 can be the. Uh, a point of contention enough that of, be very, enough of yeah. them where nothing ever lives. Uh, yeah, and and I'm not going to mention any names, but one of them happens to be in this room, and it's not me or Bill. <laughs> Here, let me guess. Not me or Bill. No. <laughs> Absolutely correct. <laughs> I have no comment. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to the next one. Balancing encounters on the fly. A key skill. This is a this is a skill that you need to develop. Uh, there is a rare few that will be able to do this from the get go. You need to practice it. It's tricky, but there's a few ways to get around this. One of my favorites: uh, lots of little foes that harry the party. Uh, gives them a lot of things to. It slows them down, if necessary. It gives you a chance to stage your big guy or let one of your big guys escape. So it helps with your plot and driving your plot as well. Um, and they can just simply harry the PCs. So I, I like the, the little foes, but lots of them. Yeah, and that goes a long way towards pacing too. Yes. Modifying the pace of, of, of the game session or the overall um, campaign. Um, I'll, I'll modify armor class. Yeah. Um, and hit points, I'll scale it up or down mm-hmm. um, depending if... And I, I don't, I no longer do this, and I think it's just because of of experience. But I, I no longer will build an encounter that will be like way too strong for my group. I have had occasions where the dice rolls just weren't great, and because of that, my balanced encounter is running rampant over, um, over the PCs, and I've had the opposite effect too. I've I've had More my often. I've had my big bad <laughs> taken out in in less than a round so so quickly as a matter of fact that the other players were like come on I didn't get a shot at him <laughs> um, that was a funny night that, that was and sometimes with those just let it happen because that can yep. be pretty fun yep. um, but yeah and and knowing where to scale these things and I I see on a lot of um, a lot of the uh, uh, Facebook pages that that we frequent, yep. there's a lot of questions about that, and it's a it's a tough it's a tough question to answer. You know how do you how do you balance your encounters so that this doesn't happen or this does happen? It's it's it, there's no there's no science to it. It's kind it, of it's a feel. Yeah, it's it's, a feel. it's more of an art form. You yeah. know, 
I, I think it's about the the GM being flexible because you have some GMs who are strictly rules as written and will not adjust anything on the fly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and those are your, I want to say your your really hard games. Um, your GMs that are flexible and just want the story to continue will understand that and um, make those changes as they need, as they see fit. Yeah, and and that's the that's that's the key to really good GMing, you know. And and, and Gary Gyjax said it best. And if it's good enough for him, then it's, it's good enough for me. It's it's the spirit of the game, and not the letter of the rules that is most important. And I right. probably botched it somewhere, but no, that was pretty. I think that was that was pretty on the mark. Yeah, and and that's that's what it's uh what it's all about, you know. But. There's no wrong way to play D and D. If you're gonna run the games like that, then then go right ahead. You know, and if you like games that are played that way, then that's that's great too. As long as you're having a good time, that's really if you're having a good matters, time. You, you know? your players keep coming back and and, and yeah, and keeping and say they're enjoying it too. Then great, that's your style. Go with it. Yeah. Um, yep. But if there are other styles and there are other other ways to to go about it, we we've touched on pacing a little bit, character interaction, and and building opportunities for the encounters there's there's a lot of different ways to pace your game right npcs is a great way throw in npcs they'll talk them to death yep um yep. but that's one of my get, favorites actually but, right but that gives you opportunities for passing on plot points slowing the party down speeding the party up giving them passing on information that'll help them or hinder them depending on which way you want to go and how you want your story to go so the pacing's easiest with NPCs but there's other ways um, you can throw in combat to slow things down not necessarily an NPC you can throw in terrain yeah uh, deep snow uh, rough terrain and steep hill yeah stuff like that it, you know pay, okay you're going to be hacking through and in there they're dealing with insects and snakes and and swamp and critters in the swamp and so there's a lot of different ways that you can use to pace, or you can turn on. Okay, you, you know, it's it's horrible. It's a, but, um, or where's my ranger? Where's my trackers? Make a roll. Oh, great roll. Okay, you think you see a game path, and his game path goes from hummock to hummock to hummock, and you can make your way through the the swampy area a little bit easier than you thought. Throw a couple dex rolls in there to see who gets their feet wet. Draw something. Draw something attention out of the out of the swamp. It gets closer to the other. Wait for it, and it just kind of leers back, leers back at them, or it just goes away. Uh, enough to build the drama a little bit and to let them know there are things in here. But you can get them to the swamp pretty easily that way if you need to speed things up. They don't have to battle everything that's in the swamp. Nope, I could say that for. I remember I was running a game and um, was at the week long, and I can't remember if it was either one of you two. It was one of you two. The guys were riding across the the plains on horses, and they had pasted themselves. Yeah, and, the, yeah. And somebody says, and I was like, "How do I slow them down?" That you was guys, me. Yep, you said, "There's potholes. The horses can't see all the, the little nooks and crannies in go the for, ground." Go for holes. Go for yeah. holes. Yep. Yep. And um, oh, it slowed them down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I didn't think like that, you know, this was my first real time running, a, or my second time running a long week, I would have never thought of that. But you know, you being experienced, said, "Yeah, go for holes." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I never would have." If you're moving that fast, you have a difficult time gauging your terrain. Yeah. And, okay, you went through a sandy area. There's a bunch of gopher holes. And after a couple of horses broke their legs, now they're down two horses. They slowed right down, didn't they? they? Oh, they did. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. You know, because the horses, the horses would failed their, their saves. Yep. 
I love using NPCs and it could be, it could be as simple as, you know, you arrive in a town yep. and they're like, well, there's a weapons tax. So everybody pays this amount of money. And then there's always that one, that one player that's like, eh, throw a gold over there. Oh, you got a gold. All right. So there's a, for you, you know, it's three gold. What, what do you mean? Three gold that? Three gold. Well, I, you know, maybe I got it wrong. There's three gold. So, you know, they're going to haggle for a while. They're going to still end up throwing the money in. Um, and then maybe issue a fine for dressing above your station. Well, you're a lowly adventurer. Basically, you're a homeless person that just walks around all over the place. Armed. Um, yeah, you're, you're just kind of like, you're Reaching. a drifter. Oh, um, so so you're 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 uh, homeless. Um, you're a mercenary. Oh, we don't yeah. cotton to mercenaries. Yep. And you're dressing above your station because yep. drifters don't shouldn't shouldn't have robes like that. But you're the guy that's tossing gold pieces around like you just minted a bunch in your basement, or so, you stole them, or you stole them. Yeah. So we'll we'll get as many of those out of you as possible, and then <laughs> um, so it's constant haggling while they're in the town or whatever have you, um, and that. That'll usually slow them down, or yep. they get involved in the rumor mill where they're asking questions about something. Or and even the shops. Even the shops, yeah. Yep. There's always a lot of haggling in the shops. Yep. Well, especially when adventurers come in because they don't know what the real prices are. Or, yep. Yeah, they all have the player's hand. I remember <laughs> I remember them players going to a town, and they had the – it was the second edition or first edition player's handbook. There was like four of them cracked open at the, at the table. <laughs> and uh, – Everybody there was like, all right, well, if we're going to buy a pony, it's this much. That's what the player's handbook says. And uh, everybody every, everybody but Tom. Tom didn't give a shit. Tom's the guy that throws gold around like yeah. he's making it in his basement. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck. Um, and then they they naturally they, they get upset because, oh, well, wait a minute. A pony doesn't – a pony's like 30 gold pieces. That's what it says right here on page you know, 20-whatever of the player's handbook. I'm like, well, not in this town. It's like – a gauge. Not every pony is going to be the same amount. Not or, every or torch you're is going to be the same. Or you yeah. What are you talking about? I ain't player's handbook. I yeah. ain't got a handbook. <laughs> I can't even freaking read. Uh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, okay, this is GM being a jerk again. All right, I'll give you your 50 gold pieces for your sway back pony. Would you so, like a saddle for that? Fit <laughs> <laughs> and bridle another five. So that's, that'll, that'll, That'll slow the pacing right down, or you can speed the pacing up. Sometimes it yep. needs to, well, yeah, it needs to be ramped up a little bit. And um, either way, you know, you, you just about every circumstance you run into, you have a way to speed it up. You have a way to slow it down. Yeah, I like just, a good just, foot chase. Just recognize the opportunities. Yep, uh, uh, a, a good foot chase will, will really speed up like an otherwise dull combat, mm-hmm. um, where like the big bad maybe makes a break for it. And now it's like, okay, now we got a foot chase going on. Especially with our group, who's going to hunt down everything that so much has flipped them off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, We must kill them! Yeah, we're going to kill it. Uh, We could have got some information out of it. Uh, It's dead now. Uh, Let's let's cut its head off, bring it it to a a, a church, and see if they can do a speak with dead. All we need is the head. Oh, it is. So they, that's my fault. I started that. Yeah, our our group carries heads around like you know they just went to Stop and Shop or, or, or something. Yes, you know it's like oh I got I got a head here in my bag of holding. 
All right, let's go on to oration, storytelling, and ad-libbing. This is the fun part. Now, it takes practice. This is the hard part. And a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but if you got a knack for it, build upon it. Some people are natural actors, natural bullshit artists. Use it. Yeah, yeah. Use it. Most good DMs are. Yep. Uh, and if you're not, read some genre books, watch some movies. Uh, you'll get some pointers there as well. But oration is fun. Voices, dialects, use them. Just make notes yeah. on who, what dialect or and, and what the, um, what voice you're using for individual people. So they don't a they don't all sound alike, uh, and b when they come back to visit that one person they really like, they know it's the same person by the same voice. Yeah, you're an entertainer. I mean, yeah. plain, plain and simple, you're you're doing your uh, your one man show, mm-hmm. um, showing off all the different personalities you can muster. Um, anywhere else, that would be unhealthy. <laughs> uh, but at the gaming table, it's it's it, it, it's, it's, it's not, perfectly perfectly fine. But it can be daunting. It can be like really really. It, it can be. It can be. Um, that's that's where practice comes in. You don't have to go over the top with everybody. Um, your your key characters, maybe. Everyone else can sound a little homogenized. Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. Some people aren't good at voices. Some people aren't good at dialects. And that's where that's where like the descriptors come in. That's where the descriptors um, come in. I yep. think the the really the big thing is knowing the the boundary between. Well, you're a storyteller. You're not a novelist. There you go. You know, so um, you're telling a story, and it's a cooperative story. So you can't um, you can't really have your have expectations that your characters are going to do certain things certain ways. Um, all you can do, all you can do, even even when you're all you can do is give them guidelines, yeah. and hope they follow it. If you've been playing with uh, the same people for enough time, though, you get a pretty good idea of how they're going uh, to react. They're yeah. going to react to certain situations. So you can set them up for that. But if you happen to be a new 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 GM with a group you're somewhat unfamiliar with as far as their play style goes, um you really you really can't do that. And convention play is I mean it's just that's a whole out of the question. Christian. That's yeah. a whole different question. Yeah. Yeah. Then it goes to ad living. Um this is this is where a lot of skill comes in. Cuz they're going to ask questions that you did not write the answers for. Uh, they're going to be asking about information that you do not have. You took your NPC, you kind of bullet pointed them, uh, how many hits it takes to take them down, what he's got for a weapon, what he can deal with, a couple basic stuff just in case. And then they start, uh, well, um, you know, they start asking, uh, gee, are you married? What's the name of your kids? Uh, you, know, do you, you know, how long have you worked here? Uh, is your father work here too? Uh, it's like they, they'll just come up with they're, all they're kinds. They're making friends. Yeah. yeah they, they'll uh, come up with all kinds of questions that you just don't have the answers for. You got to make it up. Uh, and if you do, once again, write it down. Because they yep. won't, but they will ask again. And if you're wrong, they'll call you on it. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they absolutely. Well, I thought last time he had a Scottish accent. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yes, um, visual aids I think go a long way towards um, this uh, uh, maintaining a a particular pace in the game because you don't have to you don't have to be very descriptive in words. 
So you can look at the table, see where the terrain is set up. You have the miniatures. Um, and all you have to do then is really describe a few things, like the time of day. If you have a um, if you have a soundtrack that you're using, you don't even have to describe what they hear. Mm-hmm. Um, smells, and that's and that's it. Weather, because yeah, weather because exposition will slow the pacing down to a halt. You know, you ever you ever sit at, at a table and someone's got a uh, um, a store bought module or adventure, I think is what they call them now. <laughs> um, and they're reading the text box. Yeah. Like, uh, and then, and then, you know, you, you inevitably encounter words you've never heard before. So you're, you're kind of butchering them and, and it just grinds everything to a halt. So if you're using these store-bought adventures, paraphrase, you know, know what the text boxes say. Right. But Mo- tell most the story. of those text boxes, I have found are conveniently the same size as a post-it note. Yeah. Rewrite it. Throw the post-it note over the yep. text box. If you're going to use it, use it, but rewrite it. That helps. And ad- ad-lib. I mean, it just goes back to what you were saying, that ad-libbing is 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 uh, worth its weight in gold, mm-hmm. you know, when dealing with, with, with players and keeping pacing on track and everything like that. Right. Um, Before we move on to the next one, let's take a break. I'm getting a little parched. I could use another adult beverage. And we'll get you one. Okay, and we're back. I have my drink. I'm refreshed. There you go. And the crowd goes live in front of a studio audience. audience. (laughs) Thank you for participating. We'll send you a copy of our home game. (laughs) We finally arrived. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next one. Um, One of our favorites, plot hooks. Yeah, let's go fishing for some PCs. Heck yeah. Um, there's a couple of different ways to go about this. Uh, one of our favorites, Easter eggs yes. from, pre- from previous game sessions and scenarios. Uh, bleed, let them bleed them over. It's another, it's a good way to incorporate one scenario when you've ended one, like we've done this before. We yep. ended up a seven year and we laid Easter eggs, um, on, in the next scenario, the set of next few years of scenarios that harken back to the original ones. Um, the time frame in, in gameplay was about 250-odd years have passed. Uh, some of the PCs were passed on, some were not, some were about to. Uh, but there was a lot of Easter eggs that we, we scattered about just to kind of give it a little continuity. I, I, I've always wondered how many of the Easter eggs did people recognize. Not I know I recognize quite a few of them. Not all of them. We actually had, well, some of them were just mind-numbingly blatant. Right. Uh, but, yeah, there's, I'd say probably maybe about two-thirds. They caught, but yeah, not they, all of them. They, they, those were good. So Easter eggs are a way to go. That, yeah. that, that's one of our favorites. Why use plot hooks? I mean, what is the purpose of them in a campaign? I think is probably the biggest question people people may have. You know, why do I yeah. need them? Why can't I just have a nice linear campaign that sits nicely on the on the tracks? Because I may not want to go that way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Says Lou appropriately. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. keep the world from looking linear. You know, there's there's um there's uh no invisible walls. Um I used to, remember, remember Guild Wars? You ever you must have played Guild I Wars. I played it a little bit. Remember the first Guild Wars game? Yep. Not a sandbox game. You right. ran up against individ, invisible walls, yep. you know, and the plot hooks I think keep the world from looking too li- linear. You know what I mean? 
no one likes that to start with. Yeah. They feel directed. They want to have a little bit of free Agency. will. Yeah. Well, like I just said, I, yeah. I, there's no reason for me to go that way. I'm going to go this way. Yep. Um, and it helps bait them into, you know, into your, your plot line as well. Yeah. You want to keep them on track. The plot is the, is the tracks. So, in a lot of different ways, reoccurring themes to draw them back in, remind them where they're supposed to be going is one way. NPCs always are, are helpful in every aspect. Um, and then just simply and, and dropping hints for on, uh, coming plot lines to keep them keep the interest generated for what's coming. Yeah, kind of kind of sprinkle them out all over the place in your campaign world, like you're, you're like you're feeding fish in a fish tank, you know, um, or you're you're uh, planting grass. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't just dump the bag out. You right, yeah, scatter around. them, scatter them out like you're feeding the chickens. Um, <laughs> Get them, get them out there so that they frequently encounter them, um, and uh, you know, from town to town, or when they encounter someone on the road, um, you know, pepper your world with them a little bit so they're they're constantly reminded. Yeah, well, it keeps the theme alive. Yeah, um, so they're reminded where they're supposed to be going. It helps drive your plot. And and for the game masters too, it helps remind you where you're going to supposed to be going as well, because the game masters can get you can derailed get derailed too very very easily yep. and get caught up with the you know the, the the antics at the table. We're all people, um, and as you start looking at, oh yeah, um, <laughs> we're supposed to be doing this. Yeah, and, and and to be really really effective, I like to make it about the I like to make it about the um, the people and not the things. Yes. You know, it's like a defend the town. Well, it's just a town's a bunch of buildings. Like defend the people. Mm-hmm. Um or you play to the uh PC's backgrounds, which is huge. We yeah. use that or their, uh, consistently. Their flaws. Yeah, flaws their, and bonds. Uh yeah, personalities. Mm-hmm. Even playing to their alignment, um it draws it draws them in. Well, and it, because it makes it personal. Yeah. It, it draws them in at a personal level. As opposed to our just goal setting, yep. Yeah. You know, uh, save the town, yay! We save the town. Pay us. Yeah, just it a takes goal. It, takes it from a list of errands to something a little bit more personal, right? And um, and that's what you're looking for because that keeps your players vested into both their character, the other characters as well, you know, that are on the table, um, and then the the plot and as a whole. Yeah, and when when you when you do play to one. PC's background, I find that the other PCs get get invested in it as well. Like, I'm going to go help my friend. Yeah, right. you know, I know this is something important to to them. I know they would do the same thing if I were in that position. And um, you know, if you're if your DM likes playing with backgrounds like we do, then that 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 character will be in that position eventually. <laughs> we so we have a habit of of opening up. To, you know, on Facebook, we'll post on our private chat line. People will post their entire backgrounds. Yeah. Now, not everyone does it. Some people want to hold it a little bit closer to their vest, which is perfectly fine. But as these things unfold, especially if you're not throwing everything out there or not everyone has read it or have seen it, someone else might go, wait a minute, that's close to my background. I wonder how we could use this. Yep. And you know, then there's then now there's alliances there that may not have been there before. Have your plot hooks come from a dying person. 
dying people don't lie. They have no reason to. There's nothing to protect because they know they're dying. This is true. That's yes. a that's another one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, if if your table's anything like ours, they'll then they'll take that plot hook, they'll grab it, they'll be like, let's check this out. But first, let's, let's loot the body. Let's loot or or save the dying person yeah. to complicate <laughs> things even more. <laughs> Yes, Lou, we know. Yeah. No comment. <laughs> now, we, we both know this, Bill. Sometimes uh, sometimes shit just doesn't work. Um, yeah, there, there are right. times where no matter the well, how much planning you've done, no matter what you try to do, no matter what you direct, things just aren't working. So what do we do? You let go. You just, you gotta, you gotta let go. Cut the strings and just let it set adrift. Yep. Um... You know, and it brings me back to the end of Titanic. Sometimes you just have to let Leonardo DiCaprio sink beneath the frigid waters and go. But you know what? There was plenty of room on that door. She could have moved over. There was. I'm just going to say that. Well, she could have moved. I would have pushed her over. I would have move over. It's cold. Um, I think she was waiting until you got to the perfect shade of blue, that master <laughs> dress. Unfortunately, he was dead then. Yeah. And he was no, and then he was just an accessory that she didn't want to hang around with. So sometimes it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, you know, you're losing player interest. You know, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be because you have disruptive players. It's just like they're not, they're not feeling it. Right. You know the the chemistry is not there. When the chemistry's there, it's that awesome. But well, when it it's felt, not, it felt great for you while you're writing it. You know, yeah. we put it out there. You got all the energy. You're doing everything right, but. It, it, it's just not clicking with the group. Uh, maybe it's too eclectic. Uh, maybe it is on a subject that is, you know, grayish, that, you know, that you, some people aren't comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that'll do it. There's a couple different, you know, reasons. It might just be, or maybe it isn't what is, as good as you thought it was. Uh, but if that's the case, you know, it's like, all right, this isn't working. Yeah, have a conversation. Yep. Them, you know, it's like, look, I, be honest and, and say, I want, I want honest answers. Yeah. You know, because uh, if you're playing at a table this, with your this friends. This is not a roast. This is not yeah. your opportunity to, you know, uh, tell me my feet are big and my breath is bad. Yeah. Or um, that I suck as a DM. Um, <laughs> just, but, you know, where, where's, where's the interest being lost? And if you're, they're your friends, they'll, um, they'll answer you honestly and, 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 and gently. But you have to ask for those honest answers, I think, because if they are your friends, they're going to want to preserve your feelings, you know. Yep. Um, and that's and that's important too. Um, you'll get answers. Pay attention, right. you know, because you're, you know, you're going to have to make some some adjustments. Um, but really, don't be afraid to let go of something that isn't working. If it's just not working. Like you said, scrap it. Take a step back and and. Good. It might be a time to take one of those opportunities to perhaps jump genres for for a week yeah to, maybe you're reset. burnt out you know it, you might be on the you know the verge of a burnout um refer maybe. to our episode <laughs> on dm burnout <laughs> the uh you, there's like a lot of different things you can do uh might be just time to take a week off everybody let's take it a week off yeah let's play board games let's, let's play board games. yeah just break the monotony all right uh let's make new characters Session zero. Let's make new characters. Uh, just for Haas. Now, we'll go right back to this next week. Let me revamp it. I've got your ideas. But in the meantime, hey, we're here tonight. 
let, let's have a good time. Let's make new characters, and we'll see if we use them in the next week or two. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. But like I said, you talk to your players first and find out why. See if you can figure out why. Even if there isn't a why, it, it just doesn't feel right. Okay. I'll tell you what, give me a week, and uh, we'll go a different direction with it. Same characters, just a different direction. Yeah, but now that you have all that information, you've had that discussion, it's it's time to get to work. Yeah. You know, you got to make some changes. And if you've been prepping for a couple weeks or something like that, now you have one week to rewrite yeah. everything. Doesn't mean you have to scrap everything. Um, monsters are still monsters. Encounters are still encounters. Yep. It's the plot you got to work on. And if that's the case, then you got to do it. So do it. So let's uh, let's wrap this up. It's no longer theory. The planning's done. The monsters are built. NPCs have met the party. The other members of the parties have met each other, and the story has begun. So as you reach for your drink, provided by the player of the mage, and wash down the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, donated by the cleric's player, remember this. Everyone has stepped into your realm. The good times and the bad are all on you. Work hard, stay diligent, and tell a good story. The rest will work itself out. Welcome to the club, my friend. My DM, my GM, my storyteller. And that's your campaign, part three, running in the game. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.